My guest today thought pickleball was the most ridiculous thing he had ever heard of when his mom first explained the game to him. But fast forward a couple years, and Louis LaBelle is now a pickleball professional in England, and he also promotes the sport throughout the country and Europe. So let's get to the intro so we can find out why Louis changed his mind about the game. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I'd like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, Louis LaBelle. How are you doing today, Louis? Yeah, very good. Thank you, Lynn. How are you? I'm great. Now, people might recognize your accent that uh, you don't happen to be in North America, but I think you are going to be the first professional player I've interviewed outside of North America. Yeah. So I am from England, London, slightly different accent to probably what people are used to hearing on this podcast, but here across the pond, probably slightly less sunny, slightly less pickable in terms of number of players, but still sort of pickable fanatics all the same. Well, that's great to hear. So go ahead and tell me your story about how you found out about the game of pickleball and how long ago it was, because, you know, it's something that is growing in popularity in England and Europe. But yeah, tell me, tell me about your story. For sure. About four years ago now, I think it was. My mum went on holiday to America just to see a friend out in, and a friend was like, oh, come try this new sport. And mum, always being someone to try something, tried it and it was pickable. She used to play lots of racket sports, so she picked it up quite quickly and really enjoyed it. Came home and was like, Lou, you've got to try this amazing new sport. And when she started describing it, it sounded absolutely ridiculous. She said, right, so you've got to stand behind the kitchen. You can't, uh, can't let the return bounce. And it's just like, I was like, mum, this sounds the most ridiculous game of all time. So she said, just give it one go. And I said, do they even play it in England? She says, yeah, I found a club near us. And so I gave it a go and loved it, to be honest. And so I used to play squash before playing pickleball to county level. And now... Yeah, pickleball's basically taken over ever since I started playing it. I did it sort of socially for a bit of fun for the first probably year or so, and then went to watch the US Nationals in Indian Wells in 2018, it was, and kind of was amazed with how big it was as a sport out in America and kind of the players um, and all that. And then just from there, kind of really wanted to get as, as good as possible and kind of keep getting better and better and better and I've kept doing that so I played in the US Open in 2019 and played in the Texas Open 2019 where I won gold in the men's 5.0 singles um, went to the US Nationals in 2019 and then had a really amazing tournament calendar set for 2020 and then as we all know COVID hit and turned that into an absolute disaster but yeah so now so throughout the lockdown and last year I've just been training with lots of the players in England and just trying to sort of continue getting better despite the circumstances. And I suppose here, because the weather's not as good, we have the majority of play before COVID was all on badminton courts inside. However, I suppose short term, it's kind of maybe stunted the growth in terms of people having to find places. But I think in the next two years, now we've had sort of, we've been all been forced to play outside and we've now started putting pickable lines on tennis courts outside and public tennis courts and public councils are now more aware of it. I think in the next year or two, pickable in England is going to absolutely boom, which is, exactly kind of what what all of us want right yeah needless to say i mean i just learned about the game in 2018 and it's already growing so much in the three years but i was really curious because you said in 2018 you you went to go watch at indian mm-hmm. wells i mean that's that's a long trip to go watch tell, tell me a little bit about that story 
So my brother was actually, youngest brother Guy was playing in the junior nationals in Indian Wells. So I sort of tagged on to play a bit of golf out there and have a bit of a holiday with with the family. And then just, yeah, watched it and was just like, wow, this is amazing. And mum had been on one of Yates's sort of pickable trips. I think it was in like the Dominican Republic. And so she knew Kyle really well, ran over to him as soon as she saw him. And at that time, Kyle was like the best player in the world. And everyone was like, what is this crazy English lady doing just running over to Kyle Yates and giving her a hug, him a hug, him a hug. But no, so it was, it was a great tournament. And yeah, ever since then, I've just kind of been sort of transfixed on trying to get better and better. And so just to talk a little bit about your brother, he was playing juniors at, at Indian Wells for pickleball. Yeah. So he's, he was seven, 16 or 17 at the time, I think. And so he's about a 4.5 level player. And yeah, I mean, he's just gone to university, so he's not playing as much now, but he's as, as keen, as keen as keen as the Colonel as well. All right. Well, tell me a little bit about, you know, COVID-19 and, you know, you guys were really, really locked down there for a long time. How did you, how did you continue to keep up your skills? How did you practice? So just before England went into lockdown, I played a tournament in Spain. I played with my mixed doubles partner, Thaddy, and current men's doubles partner. I went out there with a few other Brits. It was the first prize money tournament in Europe, I think, I believe. And so it was all like going really well. Everyone was like, this is going to be amazing. And got to the tournament and came back. So we, I won two golds in the men's and mixed doubles, which was just a two-day event. And everyone basically caught COVID coming back from Spain. Everyone at the tournament at the time had lost their taste, sense of taste and smell. I felt under the weather for a few days. And so we kind of got hit with COVID before it even really became a thing. So yeah, well, that was that was quite an interesting one. But then during the lockdown, I suppose I was quite fortunate that I had one of the rebounders, the pickleball rebounders, which is they're absolutely brilliant. And then also we were able to have like you can there were these bubble rules where you were able to like see someone from another house and you could go. And so I trained with Thaddeus, my doubles partner, quite regularly to be honest. And whether that was just literally practicing dinking, doing some drilling or doing some singles practice. So I know the first, I think we were locked down for about 10 weeks where it was just a lot of stuff doing it home and in the house. But as soon as it was open, we were able to go out to tennis courts. And that's kind of where the, the outdoor playing boom in England. Really. And then tell me a little bit more about the rebounder. I think that might be something that people aren't really familiar with. So go ahead and describe what that is. Um, so it is literally a so put together wall. I actually got it in america i think literally it's a it's a google link like um, pickable rebounder.net or something and i saw it out in america i was like oh this is perfect and it's literally just a wall with a net at the same height as a pickable net and then a, like a one meter square wall for you just to hit some volleys against and hit dinks against and all that stuff well during the covid i was playing on it every day for about half an hour 40 minutes just literally hitting volleys hitting dinks serving against it even one point i mean i turned the whole living room into like a pickleball court with like a full kitchen area service line and ended up smashing a couple of glasses. But that was something that was very interesting having to tell mum and dad that I smashed one of their precious glasses. But oh well, we move, we move on. But yeah, it's something I would recommend anyone who doesn't necessarily have a lot of space but wants to play pickleball, have a look at getting one of them because they're absolutely brilliant. I've just moved into a flat with my brother and I'm looking to get one for the flat now as well, just because it's a bit less space here, but you can do it with a two three meters two three meters of space and and yeah you can just practice as long as you want now in terms of your training i mean it must be pretty challenging to find people to play and practice with at your level how, how did that all come about to you know 
develop, you know, training partners and, and actually tournament partners? So very fortunate. Britain has a very good array of tennis players. So my mixed doubles partner, Thadia, she used to be a world-ranked tennis player, a, like literally unbelievably good tennis player, a very good tennis coach as well. So she got into the sport a couple of, maybe three years ago, two to three years ago now. And she instantly, after playing like two or three times, was kind of a, a 4.5 player. And then, so I mean, training with her regularly, so obviously we've both helped each other get better and better and better. And then in the last sort of six months to a year, we've actually just got more more players who are top tennis players getting involved. So they used to be ex-world-ranked tennis players. And so they're, they're better and better. And we basically working as a group, we've kind of got this this group where we go training with each other, kind of everyone's probably 4.5 level and above. And it's kind of like a seeded play where we can just play, do drills, play some kind of seeded games, play some proper mixed doubles rather than going to a, just a pickable session and kind of mixing with lots of rep. Because we do do that a lot. So, I mean, as a group, we do sort of, I suppose it's what a weird term you say, give back. But I play at Wimbledon Pickleball and I play that once or twice a week. And we play, I play just mixing with loads of different players from sort of coaching people who have never literally never played the game before up until playing like just like mixed games with kind of people on a court from 3.5 up to 5.0 level. So I think there is a balance currently in England as well. I think America is obviously a few years ahead, but I think we'll start seeing kind of a huge amount of players or higher quality players coming in the next few years with kind of more courts, more sports venues and sort of the name being more known. I mean, when I started playing, if you said pickleball in England, everyone would kind of look at you and think you're crazy. But now it's interesting. I mean, I work at Rahampton Club, a sports club in London, and we've introduced pickleball there. And I reckon I've got nearly 100 different people playing pickleball since since I started it a few months ago. So I'm hoping in the next few months, maybe yeah, a few months or so, we can kind of maybe get some lines put down on one of the courts so I don't have to take them down every single time because that can be a bit of a pain. But once that kind of happens, more more clubs getting involved with it. I think David Lloyd is starting to put courts down on their all their tennis facilities across the country. So it's kind of this slow snowball effect, which is now kind of starting to pick up some pace. And so for you, are you at this point kind of able to focus on pickleball full time from both a, a playing perspective? And then since it sounds like you're doing a lot of teaching or do you have something else that you have to do to kind of make a living? I'm, I'm just curious about that because there's been so many people in the States in the last couple of years who have just been able to transition full time to pickleball. I don't think pickleball in the UK and Europe is quite there yet. So I currently work in golf operations at this at the Rampton Club. And then I do pickleball coaching there just kind of on the side to help. I'm helping to get it grow. So as part of sort of the International Federation of Pickleball, um, I'm an ambassador kind of in Europe to help try and grow them. So wherever I can, I'm just trying to promote it, get more people playing, whether that's whether that's 80 year olds who've never played a racket sport before or like little kids who are age five years old, just trying out sports for the first time, just trying to get as many of them playing as possible. Because obviously the more the more people that start playing it, the word of mouth goes out that it's a really fun sport and really easy to pick up and get playing as a sort of social and competitive game, the faster it's going to grow over here. Obviously, we, ha- we haven't quite got the space America has in terms of just putting down courts for fun. So it's kind of, it's one of those ones that I think in the next few years, there will be opportunities for it to become a full-time job, whether that's just like a purely coaching thing or even potentially playing, but probably not quite playing over here for the next few years. But coaching, I think 
people, if they're interested and able to do it, will probably be able to turn that into a full-time thing, I reckon, in the next year. Now, one of the things I haven't talked about a lot on the podcast is the International Federation of Pickleball, largely because other than interviewing Karen Mitchell, I haven't spoke to many people who have not been in North America. So tell me a little bit about that organization and how you got connected to it and you know how you work with them. So about, oh, it was 2019, actually, the Bainbridge Cup, in which the International Federation of Pickleball, or IFP, host, was in Germany. And I met Ron Ponder, had a properly really good conversation with him, kind of met him, and kind of, he told me a bit about what, what the aims of the IFP were and kind of what they want to do. And I was like, I'm just really keen to get involved however I can to kind of help on this side of the pond and help in Europe to try and grow the sport as much as possible. And so he made me one of the first world ambassadors to help to kind of just promote the sport, grow the sport, doing what I can to to help them grow the sport. Because what the IFP are targeting is trying to get 75 member countries so they can put in a bid for it to become an Olympic sport. So currently, I think as of Three days ago, we got to we hit number sixty, um, which is in Venezuela, which is unbelievable. I think in the last week or two, we've had Guam, Venezuela, Turkey, so like a huge array of different countries are starting to get these uh, national organisations. And once we hit that seventy-five, we can then put in a bid for the Olympics, and that's kind of where the main focus of the IFP is currently. Obviously, growing the sport, but they also want to push it to be an Olympic sport. And the hope is we can maybe get that seventy-fifth country in time to put a bid in for LA in twenty twenty-eight. Obviously, with Pickleball being massive in America, it would be great if the first time pickleball was played in an Olympic sport, it was played in America and kind of it can be really shown off to be how great of a sport it is. So I work with a lady called Ruth Fadia, who was a mixed double partner, and a, a girl called Mega, who's in India. We kind of work on the, I suppose, the, the promotion side, but also kind of helping people just get more sort of more word of mouth about what pickleball is, how to get into it, whether that's through some pickleball leadership programs or some certifications for coaching. And so I just I do that kind of to my spare time just to help out and sort of do my bit to help grow this. Now talk a little bit about pickleball in the rest of Europe, like in terms of tournaments. Obviously we're, you know, had COVID in 2020. We still have COVID, but I mean, are there many opportunities to play closer to your home rather than, you know, flying all the way to America? Yeah, I know. We're not quite blessed with a tournament every week in every different state like America are, but there are a good number. So, I mean, in less than two weeks, I'm flying off to Spain to play in the Spanish Open out there in Madrid. There is a small French Open this year, but it was I think it's mainly for French nationals. But there are there's tournaments in Poland, Denmark, Amsterdam's a big one next year. And next year also, the APP Tour are coming to Europe for the first time. So they've got a string of tournaments, the English Open, the French Open and the Spanish Open all back to back next summer. I think it's late July, August time, I think. Don't know the exact dates where there's going to be a big sort of summer swing of European professional tournaments. And I imagine a few American professionals are going to come over and it'll be really good because sign of that hopefully will also be the kickstart of big prize money tournaments in Europe and Europeans gaining proper rankings points and all all those kind of things. So, I mean, there's there are tournaments i don't think there's necessarily as many as america have in terms of sort of social tournaments or professional tournaments yet but we can fly to uh, spain in two hours and there's a tournament there but also i suppose we have the opportunity to fly to america obviously in a non-covid time to come and play in florida or indian wells or texas or or wherever if if the, the tournament's there and the opportunity presents itself right and you just had the english open a couple of weeks ago didn't you 
Yes, well, it was the English nationals, but so it was basically for all British nationals they were able to play. So we actually had a really, really good tennis venue in the Bolton Arena. So that's sort of northern England. And there was sort of 250 odd players, which is really good for a tournament where it's, it's, it's only like sort of basically a nationals rather than an open. The English Open, which should have gone ahead in July this year, which was cancelled because of COVID, was scheduled to have around 600 players. So um, it really is starting to grow here from the English Open we had a few years ago, which had sort of 250, 300 players. We are now only we had that, that number, but only from England rather than cr- across the whole world. So the sport is really growing. And yeah, it was it was a great tournament. It was a really long weekend. I was absolutely exhausted by Sunday night. But yeah, and it was good all in all. I ended up, I won the men's singles with, after a, like an hour long final. Both of us were pretty knackered afterwards. I got bronze in the men's doubles. We lost in the semi-final to the eventual winners. And then... My mixed partner, Thadia, and I, we won the, the mixed doubles on the Sunday. And to be honest, that helped her complete sort of the triple crown because she won the women's singles, women's doubles and mixed doubles. So, yeah, she's she's the number one player in, in England, essentially, at the moment in terms of in the female game. She's just, yeah, she's really top player and is also just continuing to be get driven to get better and better. Well, congratulations on your success. And I, I guess one question I would have for you, you know, into the future when you can travel you know, easier to the U.S. How, how will you, d- any thoughts about how you'll decide about, you know, if there's tournaments in Europe and tournaments in the U.S., you know, when are you going to come over to the U.S. and play versus kind of stay in Europe? Thankfully, I haven't got to that problem yet. But I imagine to start with, it will probably depend on the location and the timings of the events in America because I am working full time. So when I do fly off, so like the next, next, or next weekend when I fly off to Spain, I have to take it as I have to take holiday for it. And so I do have to sort of manage that. So sometimes it becomes quite difficult to maybe take a full week's holiday for three days of pickleball tournament in America. So what we try to do is tie in two tournaments that are back to back in America. And then you kind of take a 10 day holiday with the two weekends. And it, then it becomes a, like a worth it because you have two tournament, two tournaments. So that's probably six or seven tournament days and loads of rec play. And it's only a few days holiday. And obviously it's slightly more cost effective as well than just flights for a three, four day tournament. I suppose it will decide for, I mean, for now, I think it's just something I, I really want to get to the best and be the best, but for now it's not a career option just because in Europe, it's not quite financially there yet, but it'd be interesting to see what happens with this uh, sort of post COVID boom in the next year or so. Yes, it it will definitely be interesting. And and one of the other things I know you wanted to mention, which is the pickleball play app. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So, Literally about a year ago, Blake and Alex Reno, I think they're in Cedar Falls in Iowa. And they got in touch with me and they wanted to kind of help promote their on, on the European side. So they they currently all those sponsor Tyson McGuffin, Corin Carr, Scott Golden, and Mark Renaissance out in the out in the States, and a guy called Manish out in India. So they're really trying to grow their their app, which basically is a really, really good app that wait whenever you go anywhere, you just open up the app and add the courts or and then basically what you can do is you can then search and find courts around you. So let's say you were, for example, for you, let's say you were going to Florida and you were going to like West Palm Beach. You can then see where all the courts are. You can also see the players that are around there as well. And so you can like sort of create a session and invite people to sessions and sort of go right here. Okay, we'll, we'll meet up at six o'clock and we'll have six people I don't know before. We can meet by the app at each other and kind of just play pickleball. And it's kind of a really it's social way of getting more people playing pickleball together and kind of growing it but then you can also create sort of mini leagues and competitions between each other 
um, and it kind of acts as a bit of a social feed as well. And it's kind of like it's it's one of those things that I think will be really really popular, and it is growing quite rapidly. And yeah, I'm I'm excited. Like sort of, I spend a lot of time adding the courts around England. I mean, we've got tons of them on there now. So if anyone came to England from America and wanted to find courts, they would just download the app and basically find all the courts that they need to find. Well, cool. I will definitely have to check that out. And I know as other people hear the podcast, they will too. So just to uh, finish up today, well, actually two things to finish up today. One is I always like to ask the pros, which pickleball paddle do you use and why? I am literally currently trying a different array of paddles. I was using Dropshot ones, which is a well, it's a Spanish brand, but basically it was a UK franchise, but they're currently creating new ones for 2022. So I'm just going to, I'm basically holding fire on using their ones from this year because they're bringing out some nice new ones next year. In nationals, I used an Engage paddle. I used the Engage poach icon, but in the Spanish Open in two weeks time, there's a company called Zebra, which is a new, I think it's pronounced Zebra. I'm not quite sure. They are a new Spanish pickleball brand and they've got paddles and they sponsor a few players, including Ernesto Cardenas, who used to play at Maripes, a professional player out in Utah who now lives in Spain. And he says the paddles are actually amazing. So I'm going to give them a try out there and we'll go from there, I suppose. Do you know how to spell the name of that Spanish company? Yes. It's ZC. Is Zebra with a C. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah, it's, it's, there must be a Spanish way of pronouncing it that I'm obviously not able to do. Yeah, me either at this point. I took Spanish a long time ago. All right. Well, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, you know, I, I hope some people in, in uh, Europe actually hear the podcast and might be interested in the sport. If somebody wants to reach out to you, where is the best place to contact? My Instagram or Facebook page, I suppose. Um, on Instagram, my handle is Louis Pickleball and on Facebook it's, it's Louis Laville Pickleball and that's then got my WhatsApp number on it or my, and my email on it and I'm contactable anyone who wants to contact me whether that's to try Pickleball or just get to know a bit more about what the sport is or whatever yeah just feel free to get in touch and I'll be absolutely happy to happy to help in how in any way I can. All right well thank you so much Louis it was great to have you on the podcast today I love everything that you had to say about the game and you know what's going on in England and in Europe. Thank you for your time. It's been absolutely great. All right. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes. 